So, Chris, here we are again, Living Room 101. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. It's really sunny today. Um, feeling, yeah. feeling not quite chipper. Yeah, it's quite sunny here as well. It's really helping. Is it? Um, I'm actually getting a little bit brown. It's almost slightly embarrassing in some way. What, what's embarrassing? Uh, getting like a tan in Scotland. It doesn't feel <laughs> quite right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, like people wow. literally on a Zoom with some friends the other night were like, mm, you look quite brown. And I was like, it's, re- it's been really quite sunny. And they're like, you really in Scotland, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Lol. Lol. Um, so you've been out in the garden quite a bit. Yeah, I've been out in the garden. Um, yeah. yeah, even on a kind of lounger thing. So I can properly like angle my face into the sun. Oh, that's nice. A bit like sort of uh, Dustin Hoffman in uh, The Graduate. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when he like he he finished his exams and was hanging around the pool and then, by the pool, yeah. And then Mrs. Robinson seduced him. Yeah, I do remember. And Mrs. Robinson yeah. and Bancroft was she, she's something like four years older than him or something, isn't she? I well, mean, in real life. Know, in real life, yeah. Was it? I didn't know that. Um, Maybe it's a bit more than that, but it's certainly nothing. It's nothing like Mrs. Robinson levels. Because no, he's supposed no. to be like seventeen or something, isn't he? But he was—I think so, yeah. But he, he looked very 30. young. Yeah, he looked really young. Yeah, yeah. Were you sort of um, on Mrs. Robinson's side, or did you feel like she was being irresponsible? I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> did you feel a sort of sense of a grievance, like you know, um, um, aggrievedness at the fact that she sort of went through with that seduction, or did you sort of? kind of sympathize i mean in my head thinking back i like mrs robinson yeah um, likable yeah yeah mm. um I, we've not really got straight into it have we no we haven't but we probably should <laughs> should we okay yeah yeah i think we're at that stage where we can't get straight into it we're just gonna have to get into it now so what i could say is so here's to you mr adlington and um <laughs> that actually should, fits that's good you, you could start. Here's to you, Mr. Collinson. That also kind of works. It does, depending on whether you want me to start or do you want to start. Um, oh, I see. Sorry, I see what you were doing now. So here's the thing. I mean, I, at the end of the day, I'm only saying what we're all thinking. Okay. And that is that it's time for Brad Pitt to stop eating in films. Oh, really? Now, this uh, maybe you've not noticed it. Have you seen Ocean's Eleven? Yeah. So my experience of watching Ocean's Eleven was that about halfway through, mm. I realized that Brad Pitt was eating in, like, I, th- I mean, I think, I'm going to say literally every scene. And it wow. started to really get to me. It was like he's having an ice cream mm. and then we come back and he's having a burger yeah, and I thought, oh, okay. I mean, this is a character choice. He, you mm. know, this character eats a lot. Okay, I mean, it's annoying me. It's starting to get in the way a bit here, but, but okay. But then I realised it was happening. It doesn't happen in every scene in every film, but it happens a lot. Right. Uh, yeah. I think I then probably around that time saw Meet Joe Black, and there's a lot of peanut butter eating goes on in Meet Joe Black. Yeah, and um. But then, you know, I, but let me also just say, like, I, I really like Brad Pitt. I'm a, you mm. know, I'm a fan. He's a, I think he's a very good film star. Yes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was watching Moneyball about two weeks ago, right? And right. 
I, I mean, I'll bring in, I'm immediately going to bring in a subcategory here that it's not always, always eating, but mm. if he's not eating, he will be smoking or he'll be in Moneyball, he chews tobacco. Yeah. So he's got chewing tobacco on the go all the time. But then, right, so there's one scene where he's in a business meeting. He goes into someone's mm. office. There's some negotiation going on. And I'm watching that scene and I'm thinking, okay, there's no chewing tobacco here. That would be rude in a meeting. We're in an office. There's going to be no eating. I, I'm going to just relax here. It's, this, this scene's going to be fine. Yeah. What I didn't realize is on the desk of the guy he's meeting, there's a bowl of peanuts. <laughs> Pit, Pit's hand is straight in there. Starts yeah. eating the peanuts. Now, so if you I think were, the, go on. I was just going to say, if I were to talk to Brad at this point and be like, I don't know about the eating, he'd be like, no, no, it's a status play thing. You know, like my character, he's feeling a bit vulnerable. He's, he's, it's kind of to take some peanuts off this guy's desk and eat them. You know, there's, there's a dramatic reason for me eating these peanuts. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it serves a dramatic function. But I'd be like, but Brad, you do mm-hmm. it all the time man let's just <laughs> yeah. forget the peanuts okay yeah did you ever watch the killing oh yeah the danish yeah, a lot of eating one. not a lot not of eating in that. the american one the danish one yeah danish um one. Oh, yeah so a lot of eating that in that they kind of eat on the go you know um oh, yeah. and i think obviously so i think that it's a kind of often it's a directorial thing as well where they're kind of trying to introduce a note of reality about a situation mm-hmm. um yeah because often people will comment on the lack of eating in something mm-hmm. so there's that you know that it might not be just brad bringing along his own peanut stash and getting them out just before they mm-hmm. say action mm-hmm. brad's sort of into his pocket gets out the peanuts pause them before anyone can do anything <laughs> and probably even like the directors even noticed you know um and then suddenly in this in the scene they're the peanuts and he's eating them um Possibly it's not that it's you know more of a directorial thing. It's probably not in the script because you know who would who would write that in a script of he mm. gets some peanuts and eats them unless you know there's something very um, you know dramatically important about the peanuts that they f- feature somehow later mm. on. Somebody slips on them, has uh, a bad one, and, uh, and almost chokes or something like that. That could right, be like a little right. plot yeah. point. Okay, well look, I mean, I think I, I think I know what it is, and I think it's Brad. You see, you get these these people that have a lot of power. And I don't think anyone's going to tell Brad he can't eat in a scene. I think it's become part of his process. I think it makes him feel like it's characterful and like he's doing good acting. And and I'm not really arguing with that. It's just it's happening too much. Like we've we've mm. you know. Um, so with the peanuts, I'm t- I I know I can just I can, I can just tell it's not very scientific. Mm-hmm. But that scene, I, honestly, like I hadn't seen the peanuts. I don't think anyone had really seen those peanuts. I'm telling no. you now. Brad clocked those peanuts and he was like, I, I can I can see he did it in the moment. He took a handful, he ate as he spoke. I don't think it was in the script. Um mm. so you know, don't don't um put any food down near him, is yeah, what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. What I'm yeah. and he will request it. He'll request it. He'll say mm. I think I know they're driving, but I suspect they've been to a drive-through, and I, I'm mm. just going to say no, no, they haven't because it, they're in a rush. Mm. They've got to get this body buried, and he'll say, "But you know, I, they're really casual guys. I think they would stop for a burger." And I'll say, "Well, we've got to shoot now," and he'll say, mm. oh, "I'm going to go to the catering van and see if they've got a burger, and I'm going to actually call ahead to the catering people, and I'm going to say, mm. shut down the van.'" 
Brad's coming over. He's not having food. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like that kind of, in a way, you could treat the food as almost the nuts and just say Brad's got a nut allergy. So we can't have yeah. any food, i.e., you know, Brad's got a food allergy. You can't, we can't mm. have any food in this proximity. That's what but you, there's that's a problem the excuse with you could use. No, there is a problem with that. Go and on. that is that he's eaten everything in every film. So everyone knows he doesn't have a food allergy. True, if, I, yeah. if I say he's got a peanut allergy, they're going to say, mm. but what about Moneyball, that scene in the Cleveland Indians office? And I'll say, oh, yeah. fuck. So I'm yeah. just going to have to try and use my authority, but he's going to trump me, isn't he? I'm a first-time director. Yeah. Let's face it. Well, that's it. I mean, you don't have that much status um, vis-a-vis Brad. No. But the other thing is um, Moneyball, the third time you said it, that was the first time that I actually understood what the title was. So it's Moneyball. <laughs> I never even heard of it as a film. Um <laughs> What, what are you calling it? Mummy ball? It, what, what was it? What were you saying? <laughs> uh, it's money ball, as in money, cash money. And then, oh, ball. so it's about baseball. The Oakland Athletics, a fairly small team, ended up like almost winning a season. And it's because this coach, played by Brad Pitt, started mm-hmm. using stats instead of things like player personality. Basically, he yeah. just he the, looked at the yeah. stats. He was the Graham Taylor of his day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The a long, real long revolutionary ball. along the Graham yeah. Taylor lines. Yeah, yeah, the long ball. Um, you know, that's what Graham Taylor did. He just analysed loads of matches and and looked at um, when the most goals were scored, and he concluded that it was when the when the either defence or the goalie just kicked the ball up into the other, other team's um, boxed essentially, and that's where the long ball game came from, <laughs> and that's why yeah. he became yeah. the most successful coach in history. And what um, we could do is have Moneyball Two, which is gra- starring Graham Taylor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, called- not necessarily starring Graham Taylor because did he die? Did he die? Oh, I think oh, he God. did. I'm afraid, yeah. Oh dear, but, uh, yeah. Sorry about that. But but, but, but that you know, mean you can't have a biopic. You know, we could no, have. Um, it could be called pick. Swedes One Turnips Nil. And Brad Pitt could play Graham Taylor. I actually think that's quite a good match. Yeah, and um, he could, he could sort of say, "Do I not like that?" Like, yeah, yeah. While he's while he's chewing on his peanuts, um, and, um, and people could think that Swedes won turnips nil was in reference to that famous headline, but actually, it's a reference to what Brad Pitt will mostly be eating in a lot of yeah. scenes. <laughs> if I'm directing, I will try yeah. and not. I'll let him have Swedes in in one yeah. one scene and turnips in another. But so you're that, quite didactic in your directing style, aren't you? Yeah, you're not hands off. You're not, not hands off at all. No, apparently no. not. Um, the the two things. One is um, the third that walks beside you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you heard that phrase? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have heard it at some point. Uh, yeah. Well, there are various applica- applications <laughs> of it. Yeah. Right. And um, one of the, I was at this lecture with Dave, for David Hare at the BFI. I think I've talked about oh. it before. <laughs> and, he, and he went through, he went through a load of um, kind of uh, film cliches or tropes that like people think are applicable to film, but, um, and sort of debunked them really. And, mm. and talked about all the things that he'd learned making films, which mm. was, a lot of it was really counterintuitive and debunked all the kind of film myths like um, show don't tell. He was saying no, tell tell don't show, you know, and all this kind of Ooh. stuff. Um, and gave some gave some uh, examples. And one of the examples was Fallen Idol, a film with Ralph Richardson, mm. where the butler is 
uh, having an affair with the lady of the house and mm. he's splitting up with her in, in this scene. Mm. Um, but this boy walks in who idolizes him. He's called Fallen Idol, the film. Mm. And um, he he's called Bane, I think, the uh, butler. And, um, he's like Batman. So, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, an early. It's what he, Tom Hardy based the um, uh, character on was Ralph Richard, Richardson's uh, portrayal of Bane the Butler in ah. Fallen Idol. Ah. Um, but um, he didn't. He didn't do that. But um, what the scene was about was Ralph Richardson breaking up with this woman. But none of the dialogue was between the between the two of them. It was between. Mm. Um, was it Bane or Baines? It could have been Baines actually. So Baines talks to the boy. Um, in the whole film about, you know, whatever the, the boy's talking about. So David Hare was saying, this is this is the third that walks beside you. It's basically, the, the scene is about the breakup, but you get no dialogue about the breakup. And it's all, mm. so it's all, you see the scene, you're watching the scene and it's a brilliant scene. It's like really emotive, but you're watching it like via the boy's presence in the scene. So what I think is happening with Brad Pitt is that, um, his food you're kind of seeing the seeing the scene via the food that, mm-hmm. that he's eating um or yeah. the act of eating something um yeah. so and and therefore the scene and it, it could be directorial because the scene becomes less on the nose about just about what it is it's there's something else going on mm. and you're kind so of so i'm watching yeah. what i think i'm watching is a scene between brad pitt and george clooney but it's actually between brad pitt and a t-bone steak um that's like the essential that, that's where the meaning of the scene really is um it's awfully the way around in a way it's like you're watching you're watching the scene between brad pitt and the peanuts because clearly that's you know what your focus but really the scene's about brad pitt and the other person in the scene Ah, okay <laughs> it so doesn't quite work but yeah i read uh, a little interview with robin ince the other day and it was like yeah. i really like this kind of thing and it was like my cultural picks or whatever my references and they say what book they like what play they like blah 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 and it was talking about films you can re-watch and he his was the fallen idol and i oh, really? actually i've mm. got a list of things i might want to watch and i actually added it to my list because i don't think i'd ever yeah. heard of it before so i looked it up very good. a week ago the kid particularly is amazing like very good performance and uh it's really sad um okay so don't so watch it when you're in a good mood if, um i would Okay. Recommend to really um, myself down. Yeah. yeah. The other one, the other um, thing I wanted to mention on this was: Have you seen Magnificent Seven? I don't think I have. But but wow. Magnificent Seven is somewhat one of those films I get a bit confused. So is it the one that's based on Seven Samurai? It is. Yeah. Get in your get it on your list. Get it on your list now. Okay. And it's not the Wild Bunch. I think I also think it is. <laughs> No, yeah. it's definitely not the Wild Bunch. Okay, um, Yul Brynner is in it. Who's the is 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 the uh, lead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lead kind of cowboy, very unlikely cowboy. Mm. He makes, um, and um, Steve McQueen's sort of second lead, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, they're sort of joint protagonists. But um, in every scene that Yul Brynner like has, like when he's like up near the camera, mm. check out when you watch it. Check out what Steve McQueen's doing. Yeah, because every time Yul Brynner, like the cameras on Yul Brynner, like featuring him, Steve McQueen's in the background doing something. <laughs> like he's clean, like he'll clean his gun, or he'll just sort of like be on a toothpick, or he'll be kind of kicking a stone around or something. And it's yeah. like um, there was an anecdote that I heard somewhere that basically he was trying to just pull the focus away from Yul Brynner all the time onto him wow. um, on the screen. And, you know, um, um, 
But so I think that um, possibly Brad Pitt and his peanuts or his food generally is, <laughs> is kind of just making sure that everybody's watching what he's doing, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. I think it makes him feel like he's acting. I um, yeah. Just to check up on this, because obviously I do thorough research before every podcast, due diligence. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I thought, if I look on YouTube, I, I bet I bet someone has done a Brad Pitt eating montage. And, and they have. They're, they're oh, okay. There's one, and it's, it's about 15 minutes long. Mm. And I flicked through just to see, are these the examples I'm thinking of? And a lot of them weren't even. But it's oh, really? just proof that he, he does it a lot. He yeah. does. He does a lot of good, like eating out of a can in things like Jesse James and the yeah. Outlaw Robert Ford, whatever it's called. Um, those yeah. kind of films, yeah. Or his war films, he'll do quite a lot of eating out of a. I bet he doesn't do many takes because you know that's yeah. a lot of food. Yeah. Isn't it, if he's going to be doing that every time, yeah. But maybe I that's think... maybe that's another reason he thinks like ah. if he if he starts chowing down on this food, mm. they're not going to get replenished food like for loads of takes, and he's going to just say, "Well, no, I'm look, I've, I'm going to be sick if I have any more food, so mm. that's it." So if he's got an engagement in the evening, he thinks, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll hook on the nose bag and start eating during the scene. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. he's got, like, I'm sure he's got, like, emergency food about his person all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Just just so he can get get away with one take, one take wonders. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty um, sure that's right. I'm pretty sure as well. <laughs> then. Uh, um, one final point on this is just – you know, in Inglorious Bastards, um, I haven't Christoph- seen it. Oh, come on! Well, well, don't say come on after you've said you haven't seen <laughs> Magnificent Seven. That's more of a come on than Inglorious Bastards. Uh, well, spelled in a funny, stupid manner. You know, it was quite recent, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, but I don't see Magnificent. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the- Magnificent Seven is a classic. Well, there's a scene in Inglorious Bastards where Christoph Waltz eats a uh, strudel. And it's quite yeah. the most sensational bit of film eating. I mean, it's a real masterclass. Is it's it? Really, there's a point to it, you know? Uh, he's very yeah. delicate, but he's this evil bastard. I yeah. bet Brad Pitt watched that scene with, because Brad Pitt's in it as well. You know, I bet he was like, mm. I wish I had that scene. I bet he was just lusting after that scene. Food eating envy. Does Pitt eat with a flourish, or is it kind of just, is he eating with his mouth open, you know, to a little bit to, to underline like mm. the kind of cavalier nature of the character mm. little twinkle in his eye a little bit of sl- swagger slightly yeah. loose mouth yeah, yeah i got you so you want to put this into living room 101 yeah i mean i think listen <laughs> look here we go there might go. be a there might be a <laughs> script right if there's yeah. a scene where brad pitt's characters at a dinner party or you know at mcdonald's then that's okay but I don't want any unnecessary superfluous eating. And I say this with Brad in mind because I want him to know that his acting's enough. And just just but go what, with the script. I don't you think, think he's a good I think he's a good film star. Is that do you know what I mean? Like I don't th- I think he's pretty much always the same, but I think he's very good at that. Because Brad Pitt brings a charisma. You, you just go with that. So it's not like, I'm not sure he's a great actor. He's, he's fairly similar all the time, but he's very charismatic. So I think he's like a good, he's like a good film star. Not, I mean, and he is a p- pretty good actor, but you know. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. If, well, if, you, if you took the eating away though, uh, the eating mm. with a flourish, <laughs> you, might, you, might, you might be a bit dull. Like, right. You might take away a kind of essence from, from Pitt. I don't and without the without the eating crutch, he might he might just fall apart and not be very good. 
It's true. It's true. I haven't seen Ad Astra, that one where he's in space, because I was thinking about this earlier. I thought, surely mm. he can't be doing that much eating in space, mm. popping in a you know, dehydrated pill that, that tastes yeah. like a roast dinner. I bet they make it a, a real feature. Right. Um, okay. I'd like, um, I'd like him to be in something like, what's that film, that Danny Boyle film, where James Franco has to saw his own arm off? You know, he's trapped oh, yeah. in a canyon. 182, is it? It's hours? something. That's right. Yeah, something hours. Um, I'd like to see him in that kind of film where he's not he's not close to any food. But you know what they'd do? He'd, he'd insist on flashbacks to, like, fantasizing about food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember how many hours it is now. That's, that's annoyed me. Um, <laughs> I want to say 127 hours. That's that sounds about right. 182 right. is too many, isn't it? That's yeah, like yeah. seven days. Um. <laughs> um, so is is Brad Pitt? Uh, Brad Pitt's extraneous eating in films is that going in? Um, just on the point of is he a good actor? Um, mm. Have you ever sort of come away from watching a Brad Pitt film thinking, you know, my life's changed. It's really sort of um, touched me emotionally. Um, mm. I, don't think I, I don't think I can put my finger on. I don't think so. A film like that that I've seen with him in it. Um, I really liked, I think I really liked that Terrence Malick film he did. Oh, yeah. Where he played like a really stern 50s dad. I remember that being quite affecting, but I don't think it was really Brad. Yeah. I mean, DiCaprio's done a few, hasn't he? Like a couple of his early. Oh, yeah. Revolutionary Road was good as well, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a good performance thing from him. Gilbert Grape. Gilbert Grape, yeah, what's Incredible. eating him? Yeah, yeah, I tell you, what's eating him? It's Brad Pitt, isn't it? <laughs> Probably. What's eating Gilbert's grape? Yeah. He had it already, Brad Pitt. Yeah, it's almost certainly Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad Pitt must um, have been up for that, the Johnny Depp role as well. You know. You reckon? Yeah. Um, is it going to go in? Because I suppose I, I'm assessing, is he a good actor or not? And have I seen him in films which has really affected me? Like, Because if... If he does fall apart, then ah. without the then then you know those film then we'll be without those films, which might be a real loss. But actually, I mean, Fight Club was very good. He was, I thought he was mm-hmm. really good in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love Edward Norton, and I think Norton's you know trumping him every time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> extraneous eating with Brad Pitt. So, and actually, what this is is a bit of a test and a challenge for Brad yeah. Pitt. Can, can he can he be as good an actor without? He'll be without, listening uh, to this. Quaking in his boots, won't he? Um, I assume. Yeah, he, I going assume. Going. He gonna go in. Yes, it's going to go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I slightly spoke over that, didn't I? I slightly ruined the moment there. <laughs> That's all right. Um, um, thank you, though. And you know, it'll be interesting now to see how his career goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be. I mean, there's a lot of jeopardy, really, now, isn't mm, there? As mm. to whether whether he can be a good actor without. Um, having a burger or, or some peanuts. Um, what I'd like you to put into Living Room 101, Chris, yeah, is biting your lip. Okay. What do you mean in uh, the metaphorical sense? No. Oh, no. That's biting your tongue, isn't it? Yeah. No, I literally mean um, biting your lip when you've... And the, and the really... Uh, the specific thing that I want to put in is biting your lip when you've done it before. Ah. Oh. And it's swollen up. Mm-hmm. And... You just then can't stop biting it from from then on. 
for like about a week or two weeks or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the recurrent bite, like the fourth or fifth, is is it's agony, but it's also infuriating. Like it's so infuriating. <laughs> so this happened to me quite recently, where you know, and on lockdown, you know, these little things are, are, are really blowing up and becoming yeah. quite significant. Um, where I'd bit bit my lip and. I would obviously it's swollen up. I've bitten it again. You know, this happened, you know, thrice, maybe mm. uh, times four. And um, mm. by the fourth time, it was, oh, it hurt. And that chunk that had swollen up was almost like hanging off. You know what I mean? I thought, <laughs> you know, without, without sort of um, the fear of going to the hospital present, mm. I probably would have gone to get a stitch or something. Really? Um, it was like, Are you serious? It was really, really, really bad. It hurt a lot. And, um, oh. And then, you know, I had to be really careful with the eating and, and, um, mm. and that's the other thing. Cause you know, obviously we're not going out to restaurants at the moment, but like I've had it happen to me before where you're in a really, you know, a, a nice restaurant and you're paying quite a lot of money for the food, but you just can't enjoy it. Cause you've got this kind of anxiety about like, Oh God, I might just get into that bite again. Oh. And, um, so you're sort of doing it really carefully and then people you're with are just going, what, you know, what, what's the matter? Cause they look like, mm. you look like you're kind of almost having a stroke or something cause he's chewing really slowly. <laughs> and, um, and it's just ruined the evening. Just this one thing, this one yeah. design flaw in your mouth. I mean that, cause that's the thing. Um, uh, well, before I get into that, the, other, the, the, the sort of, um, the recovery period. Yeah. You know, when you're in the zone of the biting, like recurrently, you just don't think. Well, what, uh, when can I get out of this? It's never going to end. It's just like yeah, endless and this this endless like circle of like rebiting it. Yeah, because it's not going to. There's no, you know, you just think. Well, also I mean, that's every every rebite kind of resets the clock, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> every rebite's resetting the clock, and so you're going. I can never. This is a permanent cycle for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um. It's the. I mean, it's like the, it's the rebite reset. Yeah, it's the rebite reset. And then, you know, for some fluke, you, you like a few weeks later, you kind of realize, oh, yeah. you know, maybe I'm out of that zone. But the thing that happens in between is that when you're on the sort of on the downslope from the from the rebite is is the mouth ulcer. It always turns yeah. into a big, big mouth ulcer. Yeah. So then you've just got this like intense pain yeah. when you're eating oh. and like, you know, little vinegary things. And if you're if you're into your into your tart uh, tastes, which I am. Um, you know, you can't you can't enjoy those anymore. Like a salt and pack of salt and vinegar crisp is absolute agony. Oh, um, and that happens to be my favorite flavor. You know, yeah. and so it's the mouth. Then there's, so there's the mouth also downslope. Mm. Um, and this has gone on now for like what a month. Yeah, it must easily be a month, if not more. It's a month. Like, it's a month. It, it could even be. It could even be getting close to two months for the yeah. whole process. Yeah, yeah. We're looking at and six weeks. We're looking at at least six weeks for this. Yeah, and um, and then um, it's like. But what gets me about it is that um, because I was reading a space book with uh, Stan, Mm. and um, you know, and I was there was there was a fact in it that was sort of saying it said that there's more um, synapses in one person's brain, yeah, yeah, um, than there are stars in the universe. Oh, that seems too that's too big for me to comprehend. It's big, yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's big, Um, but. that is the case. That's a fact. And yet, the the design flaw, the des- the flaw of this happening to everybody. Everybody, ha- you know, it happens to a lot. Everybody I talk to, you know, you you recognise it. Absolutely, it's just a fundamental design flaw of the design of the mouth. Yeah. So you've got 
something as complicated as the brain, and it's very close to the mouth, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. close proximity. Yeah, it's got and no excuse. It's got no excuse. It's like, why doesn't it take an example from the brain? Or, you know, I don't know, whatever oh. you think. Evolution, maybe evolution, yeah. you know, evolution. Yeah. It, but if you think intelligent design, whoever sort of, like, was responsible for this, um, could you not have just, like, spent less time on the brain and maybe just, like, designed the mouth a little a little bit better? Or well, look. Um, just, just, just stand back, look at you, you know, look at the actual incredible, perfect beauty of the brain design and just, you know, go, well, I might as well try and keep up that standard for the rest of the body. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, but there no, we're just, we're, we're left with this floor. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. There should have been a meeting where someone said, you know, when, when something gets damaged on the body, we're, we're introducing this swelling. So I assume it's to kind of protect maybe, you know, uh, but it's a bodily reaction to, to kind of damage. In the mouth, though, if if we swell those um, gnashes, uh, is there not a chance that, this, you know, if that's puffed, we're going to get a rebite here? So would it be possible in the mouth to w- we'll do, do the healing but really minimise the swelling? We want that almost not there. The thing is, we've, we've spent so much money and time on the design of the brain that um, I'm not sure I just really don't... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just don't think we've got we're going to have we're going to have enough resources to to put into uh, rectifying it at this stage of the design process. If this had been raised earlier in the whole in the whole designing a human being project, listen, listen. then we might have been able to factor it in. But listen, you're always doing this. You always this is after the event. We, we've you know we've got over the hurdle of the brain design. Yeah, that was a big thing for this company. Yeah, mm. that was a really big big thing. And you were you know you were very very fundamental in inputting on that. And we we loved your work <laughs> on the on the cerebellum. It was absolutely superb. Yeah, thank you. And, and now we've got you. a product. I just think we've got like this 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 fundamental product that is that we're going to lead on brain design. Yeah, um, people are not going to be thinking about the mouth so much. They're not going to be thinking about mm. that. Mm. The brain is 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 the is going to just you know the market's going to go mad mm. for the brain design. So, so basically, and what you're saying to me is, there's no point in me even raising ingrowing toenails. Uh, it can, oh, Bob, I mean, Bob, 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 Bob. <laughs> um, is is Chris really essential to this project at this at this stage? Because he's now raised another after the event event thing, ingrowing toenails. Yeah, um, but, but no, but, we have to have Chris. Oh, okay, but, yeah, go on. Here's yeah? a, th- a thing for you, Tom Collins. I'm, I'm, I'm out the scene now, right? I've, I've, I'm, I'm out the scene. I'm All saying right. to you, <laughs> sorry. But... Shake it out, Chris. Shake it out. I'm shaking it out this side. Shake it out. Shake it yeah. out. Uh, that, just cut but, your toenails, by the way. But what that... No, I don't get them. I'm just saying that as a designer, right? Yeah, like, but it's not a flaw. Point of... My point is just this, right? Maybe, and this occurred to me during the skit, right? So <laughs> is maybe it is evolution. Maybe in 10,000 years' time, I suppose that's not really very long in ev- evolutionary terms, but it won't puff up. Maybe the mouth is currently working on healing without so much puffing. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just we'd, we'd really think that we're the final point, don't we? We're the most evolved beings in mm. in in 400,000 years time humans mm. will sit around there <laughs> yeah ipad controlled fire and yeah. um because i imagine that's sort of the point we'll be at and they'll say do you know that back in the day humans used to bite their 
uh, lip and then it would puff up and they'd continually rebite it for a period up to six weeks. Um, and, and they just won't be able to believe it. But that's because we're just still evolving. We're still evolving. It's a good point you make. I mean, chances are it's just going to go on for eternity because it's not evolutionary important not to do it. No, I don't know. Um, well, we're not starving because of it. So we're not dying because wow. of it. So it's just, you know, it's just there, I think. And mm. um, But you make a very good point about us being relatively early on in our evolutionary development because I think people do assume that we're kind of really, really advanced what it made me think about you talking about that. There's a parallel here with coronavirus itself, yeah? Yeah. Which is um, the way that um, we've all reacted, the whole world has reacted to the coronavirus, yeah? Mm. Um, and um, bear with me here, because it may be a little <laughs> tenuous as parallel, but um, we've all reacted, like gov- governments um, and nations have retreated into really their nation hood yeah. in their reaction to coronavirus scientific community generally a medical community has has cooperated mm. and and you know they've they've yes but politically um we've seen this horrendous kind of mm. um sort of cat fight about who's you know who's dealing with it better and um yeah. you know this is and for me that is the biggest indication that we are right at the beginning of our evolutionary journey mm. as human beings if we can't like it's one of the f- you know few things that the whole earth that all the countries on the earth and all the people on the earth have had to face the exact same problem you know it's it's the it's the um, disease equivalent of live aid yeah exactly yeah um and um <laughs> instead of like you know seizing this opportunity to say look at how this unites us as a world yeah um and sort of can we apply this approach you know and we all kind of start cooperating yeah. a bit better can we apply this approach to the environment because that's like mm. the next big threat that's going to threaten mm. all of us um and all this kind of stuff but instead of doing that we sort of just become these kind of petty-minded um nations and yeah. stuff uh, as per usual you know yeah, yeah. um so i think you made a very good point and that we probably are um and, it, and, the, and the biting of the lip is is just something because we're born into this epoch uh, me and you mm. we're gonna have to put up with yeah, I think um, it's a bit disappointing if we are really early on in the evolutionary cycle because we're we're not going to last that much longer, are we? For goodness sake. So I feel like evolution is going to be like, oh, they've wiped themselves out. Like this was an ongoing project. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't ascribe to the uh, to the um, apocalyptic really? outlook of the, of the future. No. Well, how long? Really. Gosh, no. I am. Um, I read this thing about like why have we not met aliens yet? Given that yeah. there's this many stars, and there's a whole like you know theory around it. Yeah. But one of them is that advanced societies destroy themselves relatively quickly. Um, right. So you know, it's not saying there haven't been other massively advanced societies out in the universe. It's just that it's been going on for a long time, and and advanced societies tend to just dis- would tend to destroy themselves within yeah. you know whatever but again it's sort of saying that we're advanced isn't it and um yeah but we're doing we're we are doing quite well if i was talking to you in like sort of uh roman times yeah you know brutus um and i'd say brutus you know what what are what are we actually doing and you you'd say to me um we are doing quite well though we've got sewers we've got you know everyone lives in apartments we're mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um we've got a fire brigade um <laughs> <laughs> showing off your roman knowledge you're going to talk about hypercosts. <laughs> just these, 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 just my 
go-to indications of civilization. I've had a fire brigade. Um, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? That's that's mm. that's the uh, that's the condition of living in a in a kind of an age where you're basically necessarily subjective about it. Um, but think about it: two thousand years ago, and they thought they were advanced. So well, they were. We yeah. Well, not relative to us now. Uh, well, were, not that far off. I know they were pretty good. You know, yeah. they were good. Um, Stan Roman. It's amazing what they, what they did. Like these little, it's got flaps in, and you turn over the flaps, and everyone's a revelation. Well, there you go. You see, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look. At the end of the day, there's an important issue at stake here, and that is: Am I going to allow evolution to sort out the puffiness of a bit lip, or am I just yeah, going to take question now? Am I going to stand up? You know. Yeah. Um, can I just? Can I just? Can I just stop you there? Just one second. Just while we we're talking about aliens. Go on. Because you say we haven't met aliens, but I think there's a lot of evidence that we have met them. <laughs> you know, earlier <laughs> when you were talking about your lecture with David Hare, I yeah. honestly thought you were going to say you went to a lecture by David Icke. And oh, now oh. I feel like we mo- might be moving into more Icke than Hare. <laughs> um, I think they're just us in the future and they're, and the <laughs> spaceships are time machines. And um, and the reason that they're discs, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Because, is because to go faster than light, what yeah. you have to do, what you have to do is um, you spin, you spin a, um, a spherical object. Yeah. So think about the Earth, and like if if you put like a kind of um, if you put a sort of line through the Earth and then started spinning it. I mean, the, the Earth basically at the moment it spins like incredibly faster at the equator than it does at the poles. Yeah. Mm. So applying that principle to a, a sphere, um, everyone says it's impossible to go linear faster than light but if you spin something close to the speed of light then if it's a sphere at the center it would it would go faster than light and therefore ufos are discs because what you're seeing is just the section of the sphere appearing in the sky and that's why they don't move linear around the sky they're just appearing from the future and mm. they're viewing galleries for us in the future i am um forgot this was a podcast and i thought i was listening to an audiobook by stephen hawking for a, a couple of minutes there. <laughs> you can have that that's my theory all right thanks okay so the bit lip to get to the really the important the important stuff um yeah exactly as soon as you said it i thought this can be a quick one this has got to go in yeah uh why, why, are, you having, why are you having doubts <laughs> what could be possibly like well, the, the big, or functional about it. I think there's been two breakthrough theories in this chat. One is whatever you were just saying about UFOs and the equator, and the other one was: Am I going to let evolution take care of the puffiness of a bit lip? Because would it not be better if I just let evolution sort that out? Oh, I don't believe my own theory about evolution, so yeah, I'm going to put it in. Of course, evolution can't be trusted. No, no, no. Clearly. It's like the market, you know, don't leave it to evolution. Don't leave it to the market. It's the same thing. Yeah. Some theories um, don't don't stack up, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. And this could be one of them. I'm not yeah. sure about the UFO in a disc, but what about that then? Does that stack up for you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like you know, I think we'll have to leave that to greater minds, you know. Yeah. Or someone who knows about science. Don't trust the greater minds. Um, the um, no, because I mean, basically, I think you're right to put it in because evolution. There's no evolutionary function for it to go, to disappear. 
mm. um, other than it's just causing us a bit of pain, you know. So, so I think I would, I definitely wouldn't trust evolution no, to, to no. get rid of it. Great, well, it's gone. So has that gone in now? Yeah, it's gone. It's gone oh, in. Oh yes. Oh, it's good, isn't it? I'm never going to have to do, like no. suffer from that again. We are still going to have to go through mouth ulcers, though, which is a pain. That's a yeah. bind. Yeah, um, they're annoying. Although the one good thing about mouth ulcers is a bit like the the, the bit lip is that day when you wake up and you just realise it's gone. Oh yeah, oh, I had that with Stan because because I showed him it because yeah. he said, oh, "What's the matter, Daddy?" Because I like went mm-hmm. <laughs> when I like because you have to make that noise whenever yeah. you bite when you bite your lip, and mm-hmm. people are often like. If you're in company, it's horrendous because they think something really bad's happened. Yeah. Oh, okay, no. yeah, yeah. You know, oh, okay, no. like that. And they're going, oh, and they'll jump and go, what's the matter? I just said, bit my lip, bit my lip. Oh, yeah. just bit it the other day. <laughs> um, so I did that, and Stan was like, what's the matter, Daddy? And uh, I said, oh, bit my lip, Stan. So, he's, so I had to show him it to, yeah. to show that I wasn't being crazy. Um, <laughs> big mouth also. And then, yeah, and then, and then today he said to me, he said to me, Oh, I've got a mouth ulcer, and I was looking at it, and he said it, but he was saying it because I'd said it to him like yeah, yeah. a week ago, and he'd sort of remembered, and he was like showing me it, and then I thought, and then I realised, oh, yeah. I'm on the, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond, I'm on, the, I'm You're on right, the plane, the yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond the downslope, even, I'm, I'm on the plane, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we've probably got time for a very short one. Oh, do we? Yeah. Okay, right. This is a fairly short one. Um, okay. I realised this the other day. It just really epitomises. What I do not like, right, in in the home. Yeah. And I'm, I've got, you know, I've got minimalist tendencies. And I saw one of these the other day and I thought, that has got to go in. <laughs> there are caveats when you said it in, Sorry, when you said in the home, it's just sounding like you, you got yourself checked into a nursing home or something. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, what yeah. I mean is, you know, there are, there are plenty of things in the world, but just in the home environment, you know. Yeah. And uh, it is... A pizza cutter. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, my God. It just is the perfect example of those things you don't need. And I was specific about in the home because, listen, in a pizza restaurant where there's probably big pizzas and they've got proper chopping boards, I get a pizza cutter. I understand a pizza cutter. But this is just consumerism. Someone thought, we can, oh, we can sell these. People will buy these for when they have a pizza yeah. in their home. Get a chopping board mm. and a knife. Would you need a pizza? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but this will this will roll right through the pizza. That'll just roll mm. right through, and I'll twist it, and I'll roll right through yeah. again. It's like, yeah, yeah but uh, just use a knife. No, a big knife. It's- Fine. Chop, 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 chop. You do not need that. It's superfluous equipment. Yeah, that's that's a lot of chops, so you've got a lot of triangles going on. Has, is your pizza cutter... <laughs> Um, in the shape of a bicycle, mm. and does the blade is the blade the back wheel? Ooh, what? But what would the front wheel be? Well, just like a molded just, handle, kind of almost just like a roller to roll across the front. No, it's it's like a unicycle um, with a sharp wheel. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it doesn't look like a bicycle. It hasn't been fashioned in the shape no, of a bicycle. I've never seen that. I, I would quite like to see that. Although hopefully yeah. they'll completely disappear now. But um, because I was just no, but I was just thinking that if if um, if it was, then there'd be another element for it. It'd be kind of ornamental for the home oh, as well. Oh, oh, well, I don't like ornaments. Ornament, function. ornament is crime, you know. In um, your dojo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So 
Um, like someone once bought me a tea stick, and don't get me wrong, I appreciated the present. Well, I'm glad you asked. It's a, st- it's like a, well, it's a stick thing. You take off a top, you put in your tea leaves, right, mm-hmm. and then you twist it back on, and it's got holes in it, and you pop it in your cup of tea, and you're boiling water, and it makes a cup of tea. But the thing is, tea bags exist, so um, I don't, you know, I don't need a tea stick. Obviously, it just went in a drawer. And it's just one of those presents. I feel really ungrateful. It was a really nice present, but just, you know, it's just like, I, I mean, it was nice to get the present, but I just those things, it's just like, this is going to be used once for novelty and just sit yeah. in that drawer for the shit. Um, yeah, yeah. Pizza cutters are in there as well, you know? I used one. I used our one um, maybe yesterday or day before, mm. um, which I think was the first time for a number of years, maybe even like a decade. Wow. Synchronicity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like um, fallen idol again. <laughs> the third that walks beside you. Ah, yeah. um, <laughs> oh, it was useful. Could you have used a knife? Yeah, but it if you had a, just as useful, the whole idea of it is that you, who has a knife that long that goes all the way to the end of the pizza <laughs> the that you can do one pizza cut. cutter doesn't go all the way; it rolls through. It's a process. Yeah, exactly. It's like a yeah, ongoing knife. You do the chop down, you move along, you do the second chop down. If it's a really big pizza, do the third. Move is that along, the same the edge? Yeah, is that the same edge? But that's yeah. a whole that's a whole wonky edge. Yeah, but what about when you have to chop anything this big? You just do a few chops. Now, what does it matter if your pizza's got a wonky edge? Look, if you're trying to chop right across the middle of the pizza, yes. yeah, yes. and you've got you've got like a knife that's maybe like about half the size of the pizza, the blade yeah. bit, yeah, lovely, no problem. Well, what's your what's your procedure for that? Chop down, slide along, chop down Don't again. Don't do that. What do you mean chop down? Like you can't chop down because your fist, your fist is in your fist is in the cheese. It's oh, in the topping because you've chopped be all the way down. Daft. You just got to use your knife skills. You'll be fine. All right, chop from one end, swivel the pizza, chop from the other end. Have you got a fork to to for no, ballast? I don't have a fork. It's what? So it's slipping around. You don't slipping even need to definitely chop all the way through. You just need a kind of like a perforation, the equivalent of a perforation, so you can you do. Rip. If, you, if you're sharing it. If you're sharing it, you have to have chop all the way through. <laughs> and like, if you've got like a, if you haven't got a fork for ballast, then that pizza is slipping all around the chopping board. It's probably falling on the floor. Oh, I tell you what, and, and once that happens, once that happens, what what you what you think at that point is, I wish I had a pizza cutter, that round blade that goes all the way through. I'm telling you right now that that is never going to happen in my life. I'm never going to wish for a pizza cutter. To be fair to you. Um, when I used the pizza cut the other day, mm. I went backwards and forwards. And what happens when you go mm. backwards? Mm. It makes it makes a different incision. Yeah, you come off the track. Uh, so you've got you come off the track. So you've got like a, a whole kind of shredded oh. middle oh. of the pizza, which was not good. I thought that must <laughs> no. be a better design than that. <laughs> well, it was thank the use. I was my, it was me as the kind of operator because yeah. I shouldn't have gone back. I should have just gone whoosh through. No, no. But then you never Don't really convinced blame. me. Don't victim blame. It's not your fault. If that's going to exist, it better cut all the way through straight off. Otherwise, I'll tell you what, there is a better implement. It's the knife. It's the sharp knife. Well, I think it was partly my fault. I shouldn't never have gone, but I should have just gone one way through, but you're never convinced that it's gone all the way through. This is internalized shame. You know, you've got to to accept that, you know, that pizza cutter should have done its job. Uh, there are other things that are superfluous, but I'm not sure this is. And I was quite oh. grateful of it the other day. And oh. even though it sits awkwardly in in the tray mm-hmm. of, cut, of cutlery, you know, mm-hmm. and just like marauds around like a really, I don't know, like a big school bully exactly. in the in the cutlery tray. 
But having said that, it was useful the other day. I don't think it was useful. Um, I'll accept that it was fun, but I, I doubt it was. It wasn't fun. I, I, <laughs> I didn't get any fun out of it. <laughs> I'm not putting it in. I'm not putting it in. And I'm I'm, I'm quite on. generous usually with you, Chris, but I'm, I'm saying no to this. Mm, it was mm. useful the other day. And, you know, people can choose. If they, if they want one, they can have one. I'm not going to ban them for people having them in the home. Mm. No way. You're, you're coming at it like Billy Big Beans now. But not <laughs> if you're not putting in the pizza cutter, there's no way you're putting in the tea stick. Don't even pretend. Have you got, <laughs> have you got a Billy Big Beans presser? <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to wrap it up there, Chris. Okay, all right. Like a piece of cling film, but that's for mm. another uh, another show, isn't it? Yeah, that's, bloody oh, cling film roll. That's irked me. That that end. That's that's a bad one. That I felt yeah, sure sorry. pizza cutters were going to go in. I like to give you, you know, I like to give send you off on a high, but mm. I definitely mm. brought you down there. Yeah, um, right. I'm a little bit like the fallen idol. <laughs> you want the fallen <laughs> idol down. in some senses. Because I me, I'm you, the fallen idol. Yeah, because I kind of thought you were the kind of guy that would put a pizza cutter in. You know. Okay. Yeah. I was I'm relieved at that that um that it wasn't something else that <laughs> you had you had higher hopes for me generally. And no, um, you, I've let you down. No, no, you generally <laughs> don't, I have to say. Okay, cool. But a good uh, thing? Living Room 101, you are Ralph Richardson today. Well, um I'm very very honored. No, don't be honored. Time. No, no. All right, you're not Ralph Richardson, you're Baines or whatever he's called in in the film. Oh, right, Baines. Yeah, he had a nightmare. Yeah. Anyway, um okay we're gonna wrap it up chris and um All right then tom I'm, yeah and i'm gonna say thanks for listening stay safe and bye-bye and i'm just gonna say <laughs> have a have a great week <laughs> why did i say oh, that? No. <laughs> okay i was gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say have a good weekend and then i realized yeah. it'd be you know it'd be sunday there could be not much yeah. left <laughs> oh, oh man. man oh dear Right, good. You made a hash of this. Goodbye. You're Baines. I'm not Baines. <laughs>